Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. We're going to go into our, our time of teaching in just a minute. If you're brand new here, I want to welcome you. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the church at Rocky Peak, and we're glad you're, you're here. Uh, I want to check. So you all got my letter this week? I sent a letter? Good. Okay. If you didn't get my letter, it probably means you don't want to be known uh, because uh, we, we really tried to get it to you. Uh, if you didn't uh, get a letter, it means you're not on our mailing list. And it, it also means that there's, out at the point, there are some letters kind of updating you on the situation we're facing as a church uh, right now. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into our time of, of teaching. You all ready to go? Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Well, Father, we're just so excited about what you're doing at our church. We see those, those pictures on the screen. We hear about uh, kind of the Uganda thing and just in our own lives, how you're you're waking us up, you're calling us on, and you're, you're turning us into a church uh, of passionate Christ followers. And, and God, that's just our prayer, that our hearts would beat for you, that we would run after you. You'd be our first love. You'd be our deepest passion. You'd be our highest priority. And, and we just want to run after you as a church. And so as we launch today into a brand new series, we just pray that you would uh, speak to us powerfully through your word, through your spirit, that we would be open to hear, and that as a result, our lives would be transformed, and we become a little bit more like you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever had a crisis in your life? Anyone ever had a, <laughs> had a crisis? Um, well, one of the things about a crisis is they seldom announce themselves. You know, they just, they usually don't like uh, give you a lot of advance warning. You know, like, uh, okay, could you put on the calendar? We've got a crisis coming. Just put on August 15th, you know, so I can get ready for this. It's like that more often than not, uh, crises just have a way of happening. And then they, they happen and they just change your life. I mean, you, you meet with that good friend at Starbucks. You think they just want to catch up with you, and they're telling you, oh, no, they're moving across the country. You know, it's like God's calling them across the country, and you're like, what? You know, uh, you're dating a girl, and you're thinking things are going great, and she calls you, and you think she's just excited about your date Friday night, and she's, she's breaking up with you. You know, and you're like, wow, didn't see that coming. You get the phone call from, uh, you get a phone call from the doctor. The tests are, are back. The, the news is not good. And, just, and so life works this way sometimes. And so a couple of weeks ago, it was Monday, and uh, I'm in my office minding my own business, working on a, a message that I thought I'd be delivering. And, uh, <laughs> and so all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door, and, and Rob, Rob's there, Rob uh, Falk, our executive pastor. We, we've got a door between our office, inner door. And so he, he knocks on the door, he comes on in, and he says, I've got some bad news. And, and my first thought was, oh, no, something's happened to someone on staff. I, I don't know why, that I thought, but it's like, that was my first thought. And uh, he says, well, no, no, it's financial. And he, he begins to share this story that I, I started sharing with you last weekend uh, and shared in the letter that, uh, you know, our bank that we've had this great relationship with for what, over 10 years, uh, I've had a, this big credit line with, million dollar, half million dollar credit line for seven years, used to kind of during the tough times to, and then kind of paid off in the good months or whatever, that, that all of a sudden without any warning that they've, they've pulled our, our credit line. And, and so he begins to explain what this means, that we had projected uh, kind of without any warning, they pull this and they, we had projected it to go into the credit line uh, in August. And so what that means is that all things stay the same in July, that, that all of a sudden in August you can't pay all your bills. And, and so, man, I don't know about you, but it was, it was a crisis. And, and in time of times of crisis for me, my first instinct is to kind of run to God and say, like, what are you doing? Like, like what are you up to? And it's just so obvious to me that his hands on this church. Isn't that true? You just you sense God moving. He's shaping. He's, he's changing us. I mean, I am so excited 
about what's going on in our church. I mean, we're growing numerically. We're growing spiritually. We're learning what it means to be a church of passionate Christ followers. We're learning how to follow. Uh, we're learning what it means to be changed from the inside out by the supernatural work of God in our life. We're learning uh, what it means to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to follow. We're learning what it means to be an impact in this world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around us. And he's growing us in so many ways. And, and so this just blindsided me. I mean, I just did not see this coming. And, and so uh, I, I began to seek the Lord on this. It's really funny because <laughs> that particular morning, well, was, I don't know if it's funny is the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> This, this whole thing's hilarious. Um, but uh, that very morning, I was at Starbucks, and I was spending some time with, with God, as I often do. And, and that particular morning, uh, I'm, I'm in, Psalm, uh, in Psalms, and I, I felt like God specifically directed me to two Psalms. And so I, I'm, I'm, write, I'm actually journaling out these Psalms. Like, I'm writing them down. They're really, you know how it is when you're reading the words and they just come alive to you? Like, you know this is for you. And so this one Psalm is on, on leadership and how God's calling me to be a bold and courageous leader and, and to lead out victoriously for his kingdom. And so I'm, I'm writing this down, and this is cool. I'm not sure how this applies to me, but this is really good. And, 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 then, and then he leads me to the next Psalm, and it's Psalm 46. It basically says, though the earth fall into the heart of the sea, you know, the whole world falls apart, basically, blows up. Uh, we will not fear because God is with us. And, I, and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, writing this down, this is so cool. What a great psalm. And, you know, be still and know that I am God. And it's just like awesome. And, and then 2.30 hits, you know. <laughs> and like, oh, now I understand. Now I get this psalm on leadership, get the psalm on the world falling apart. Well, anyway, since, since that time, you know, we've, we've been seeking uh, God. And the interesting thing is, uh, one of the things I mentioned the last couple of years is one of the things I believe that God wants to do in our church as he prepares us for our future, that if we're truly going to be a movement of passionate Christ followers that, that kind of change our world for him, if that's going to happen, one of the things that has to happen is that he's going to have to unleash what I call a culture of generosity in our church. And, and by that, I'm not just talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about just a kind of attitude of generosity where we're giving to the community, where we're, uh, we're, we're kind of giving to the poor. We're supporting just cool ministries around the world. It's just like we're, we're kind of the hands and feet of Jesus, you know? And so really for the last year or two, I've wanted to teach on that and just have not really felt it was the right time. And so there's many times I've talked to the Lord about that and it's like, you know, the next series will come and it's like, oh, here's what, what the next series is. Oh, crud, I thought I got to teach on this. And, and so uh, anyway, uh, we've prayed about that as pastors, as elders, um, and so anyway, this crisis hits on Monday, it's Wednesday, I'm walking downstairs from my, uh, if you've been to my house, a lot of you have, walking downstairs from, from my bedroom down, down the stairway to the kitchen, and on the way down, sure enough, it, it begins to happen. Uh, the download begins to happen. Uh, and it's like this, this series just begins to come, you know, this, this journey of generosity. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this, because this is one of the things I know, um, that I, I realize that there are some pastors that really don't like to teach on giving or like to teach on money, um, but, but I'm not really one of those. And um, the reason is, let me tell you why, is because I learned a long time ago, as we're going to see today, that th there's a connection um, in our life between our heart for Jesus and our, and our finances. We'll see that later today. And, and that what happens is that when God begins to teach us and call us to take new steps in this and when we're obedient, we follow, it changes our life at a core level. It changes our relationship with God. It sets us free in a whole new, a new way. And so I'm excited about this. And so the next three weeks, 
We're going to be teaching on this journey of generosity. Our, our main text is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And so I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn there, 2 Corinthians 8. And, and here's what's going to happen. I want to give you a little backdrop to this, this uh, passage. So there in your note sheet, it's called Corinth, the backstory. So as you're turning there, let me, uh, let me unpack this for you. Here's the situation. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul has written a couple letters to the Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and in both of these letters, he, he talks to him. One of his topics is about a special offering that he's taking for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know why the Christians in Jerusalem was so poor. We, we're not really sure why. Uh, maybe because of persecution, but, but from the very beginning, it was a poor church. And so, uh, throughout his life and ministry, there were times where, where Jesus, I mean, where Paul would uh, take a special offering from the churches he was starting around the Roman Empire, the Gentile churches, he would take an offering to give to help the poor in the church in Jerusalem. And, and then it was not only a way to love them, but it was a way to uh, kind of tie, kind of build a bridge between the Gentile churches and the Jewish mother church. And so um, in 1 Corinthians, the second, he, in both letters, he talks about this particular offering. So the previous year, he had, he had talked about this offering, and, and they were all over it. They were excited about this. Uh, they, they just, God moved their heart. They wanted to be a part of this offering. And so he says, here's what you do. He tells them how to collect money the next year, how to put it aside. He says, I'll be coming back next year, and when I come back, uh, then I'll collect this, this generous offering that you have. But now it's getting close, now it's the next year, and he's getting close to going back, and he, and he gets, he, he hears, uh, gets a uh, kind of a word that they haven't followed up, that they've kind of lost the vision, and so God had moved them, but they lost the vision, and so they hadn't really been collecting money throughout the year, and so he's going to be coming in a few months, and he wants to get them back on track and kind of rekindle this vision. And so he writes 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and what he wants to do is he wants to share with them a story of how God is moving in a powerful way with their, the churches to the north of them in the province of Macedonia. So, so Corinth is in the south of Greece. It's a city in the south of Greece. It's in the region of Achaia. To the north, immediately north, is the region of Macedonia. There's churches like Thessalonica, uh, Philippi, those kind of churches. And so God's doing this amazing work in these churches to the north, and, and he wants to use their example of what God's doing to inspire and get these Corinthians back on track, okay? So that's the setup. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, we'll, we're going to look at the first five verses and, uh, and then go from there. So he says, now, brothers, uh, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. This church is to the north of them, Macedonian churches. And so he says, God's doing an amazing thing, and we want to tell you about it. Now, interesting, I want you to notice that word grace. This is important. Um, the Apostle Paul uses the word grace in a couple different ways. And so the first way is the way we're used to. Like God's grace is his love that we don't deserve. And so we, we have rebelled against him as a race. We, d we deserve to be judged and condemned. But instead of that, uh, God sent Jesus to die for us to make a way for us to come back. It's, a, it's purely a gift. It's grace, see? And so we talk about being saved by grace, and, and that's the normal way Paul uses the word. But he also uses the word in a different way to talk about uh, kind of God's supernatural power that comes into our life after we become a Christ follower to equip us for specific tasks or kind of to follow him in a certain area of our life. Like, let me give you a couple examples. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church about spiritual gifts. And of course, a spiritual gifts, when you come to Jesus or later on after coming to Jesus, there's times when the Holy Spirit gives you certain supernatural abilities to serve him, his kingdom, and expand the movement of Jesus. And so, for example, uh, uh, and, and we all have different gifts. And so, like, one of my gifts is teaching, and so I have a gift of teaching. You, maybe your gift is helps or leadership or service or wisdom, but we all receive different gifts. And there, there's supernatural abilities that God gives us to serve. And so, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about this. And there in your note sheet, uh, it's, on the, it's on the second page if you haven't turned there yet, Okay, good thing I mentioned it. Okay, so he says, to, to, uh, there in the first verse, he says, to each one of us, grace has been given uh, as Christ apportioned it or divvied it up. Now, he's not talking about the grace like we're forgiveness. He's talking about a supernatural empowering. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He's given each of us these supernatural empowerings. Uh, another example that would be the next verse in 1 Corinthians 15 there where Paul's talking about how God has supernaturally empowered him or graced him to be a, an apostle. So here we go. He says, in the, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, talking about uh, the other apostles. Yet not I, but the what? The grace of God that is within me. And so sometimes, so normally when Paul says grace, he's talking about this, this love of God we don't deserve, but there are times when he talks about this supernatural empowering that flows out of this love we don't deserve to equip us to serve. And so he'll use, like, God graced me for this. Well, so that's how he's using the term in 2 Corinthians 8.1. So let's look at it again. He says, uh, and now brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. So what he's saying is that God's doing something very supernatural uh, up, in the, up, up north of you in these churches in Macedonia. He's gracing them. And it turns out as we go on that what he's gracing them is he's gracing them in what we call the grace of giving. That, that these churches to the north, it turns out, are very poor. They're going through a time of extreme economic recession. In fact, in fact it's probably more like a depression is what we'll look at the terms. It's like, it's like they're going through an dep like economic depression, and yet, and yet they, God is just moving them supernaturally that they want to be part of this offering that Paul's taking for the, churches in, for the church in Jerusalem. And so here they are. They're extremely poor, and you got just moving on. They have this passion like, no, we want to give. Let us give. And, and so Paul says they're going to give like, uh, uh, to, to, the, to the best of their ability and even beyond their ability. So I don't know if they're putting it on credit cards or what, but, but they're just, they're just, they just know we want to give. And so Paul's going, this is supernatural. This is crazy. Because normally in our lives, when we're going through tough times, we get very protective of our money, right? So that's what's natural, and you understand that. But what's happening here is supernatural, that God is just giving them a heart and a passion to be a part of this, this project. So here we go. So in verse 2, he says, out of, their, out of the most severe trial, catch that, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, catch that, extreme poverty. So they're going through a major depression. It welled up in rich generosity. So here they are. They're extremely poor, and, and yet God is just moving them supernaturally. They want to give. And, and, it's, and they're giving with joy, and they're giving with passion, and they're giving with rich generosity. And he says, verse 3, for I testify, kind of a legal term, 
that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability and entirely on their own. So catch this. This was not as a result of manipulation. Paul was not putting a guilt trip on them. Uh, he, he wasn't trying to shame them in this. This was entirely on their own. God's just doing it. They urgently pleaded with us. They're just, they're passionate about this. They pleaded with us for, a, for the privilege. See, this giving is the privilege, privilege of sharing in the service, this service to the saints. Of course, saints in the New Testament refers to uh, any Christ follower as a saint. And so, so here they are, extremely poor, uh, going through hard time, and they're just begging Paul, please let us give. We just, we just want to give, and we want to be a part of what God's doing. And so in verse 5, it says, And so they did not do as we expected. In other words, they gave more than we expected. Um, but, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. So the first step was they, they kind of said, God, you know, here we are. All we are and all we have, it belongs to you. And, we, and so what do you want us to do? Their first step was to give themselves to the Lord. And we'll talk about that later. Then the second step was... Um, it says, and then to us in keeping with God's will. And so we'll talk about this more later, but, but get how giving is really a two-step process. First step is we give ourselves to the Lord completely. God, all I have is yours. Second step is what do you want me to do? And in this case, God said, I want you to give generously. And so they, they gave themselves to this offering after they checked in with the Lord first. You, you follow me in this? And this is how real giving should happen. It's that, that giving really flows out of our relationship with Jesus. We check in with him. All I have is yours. What do you want me to do? And then we give as he leads or doesn't lead, if, if that makes sense. So, so that's the pattern. Now, we'll come back to that later. Now, I think that's enough for now to get us going. Um, uh, kind, of very, kind of a cool story of how God's working supernaturally in the life of these churches to the north. And, of course, Paul's sharing it to inspire the church at Corinth. So here's what I want to do. In the time that we have today, I, I want to just focus on one big picture principle that is extremely important for us to understand in this whole area of generosity, uh, kind of financial giving and that, the whole area. And, and this is going to lay a foundation for this whole course. And it's why I wanted to, this whole series, it's why I wanted to start here. So it's there in your note sheet. You have a section, and it's called Generosity 101. And, and so I just want to give you this one principle, and then we're going to spend our whole time just unpacking this, okay? So here we go. Uh, here it goes. The journey of generosity is a supernatural journey. So we're going to be talking about the journey of generosity in the series. And what I want to lay the foundation for right away is that this journey that we're going on, or any time you, you enter this journey of generosity, it's always a supernatural journey. Now, here's what I mean. One of the things that we talk about here a lot at Rocky Peak is, is that our whole relationship with Jesus is a supernatural relationship from beginning to end, right? We talk about that a lot. It's very important for us to understand that, that being a follower of Jesus is not about coming to him and then kind of gutting it out, gritting it out, changing ourselves. That from the very beginning, it's Jesus who draws us. In fact, Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. It's Jesus who opens our eyes to see our need for him. It's Jesus who creates the faith in our heart. It's like that our, 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 our relationship with Jesus starts as supernatural. 
But as we've been learning in this series in Galatians, it's supernatural every step along the way. And what it means to be a follower of Jesus is not that we just try to live up to his standard. It's that, that we're partnering with the Holy Spirit and that he comes alongside of us. And as he leads, we follow. And, and as we do that, we grow and we, we change. And so this journey that we're on with Jesus in every area, it's every area of our life, it's supernatural from beginning to end. So are you with me on this? Okay, now here's what I want you to catch that the journey to generosity is the same way. That, that this is a journey that God has to lead every step of the way. This is not a journey we create, it's a journey he creates. We don't make it happen, we cooperate with him and follow his lead. And, and that's why I wanted to start with this passage here, because this is what Paul is laying out. He tells this incredible story of these extremely poor churches to the north that are going through an economic depression you know, he calls, it, he calls it severe poverty, extreme poverty. And, and yet God supernaturally moves on their heart to, to create these generous givers. So catch this, generosity is not about how much you have, it's about your heart, you see? It's not about how much you give, it's about, it's about your heart. And so what he does is he moves on them supernaturally and he creates this hunger and this passion to give. And this is how generosity works as Christ followers, is that this is not something we make happen. It's something we let Jesus lead us in, as in every other area of our life. Now, of course, the reason he's telling this story is he wants to inspire the Corinthians, because God had begun to do a work in their life in the area of generosity a year before, but now they've kind of lost sight. They've lost sight of it, and so he's trying to re-inspire them. And here's what's going on. The Apostle Paul senses that this church in Corinth, they have grown in a lot of ways since they came to Jesus. These believers came to Christ the longest, with, with like three or four years before. This is an early church. They knew, but, and what had happened is when Jesus came into their life, Jesus did what Jesus always does. He starts changing things, right? <laughs> he starts changing us from the inside out. It's like what he does. Like if you're like, well, I'm a Christ follower, but I'm not changing. It's like something's wrong. You know, it's like we need to figure it out because, because that's what he does. He, he changes us supernaturally. And so, so when they came to Jesus, they began to grow in a variety of areas. Their faith began to grow. Their knowledge of God begins to grow. He begins to give them supernatural spiritual gifts of speaking, gifts of knowledge and gifts of tongues and different things like that. Uh, he begins to give them a new passion for the things of God. He begins to a new love for people. And so over the last three or four years, they have been growing like crazy, and they're really growing. And Paul senses, okay, the next step in their growth is in this area of generosity. And so he senses that. And so what he's doing, he's telling them this story about the, the, the neighbors to the north to inspire them that they would be open to whatever God wants to do in this area of their life. So let's pick up the story. We went through verse 5. Let's pick it up at verse 7. Chapter 8 and verse 7. He says, um, but just as you excel in everything, so they'd come to Christ, their lives were changing. He says, you're excelling in so many areas. And he gives some examples, like I just did, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge of God, in your complete earnestness, your passion, in your love for us, your love for people. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You see what's going on here? He says, okay, you've come to Christ, and, and God's changed you in so many areas. My sense is, now it's time for you to grow in this area of generosity. And this is what I found is often happens in, in our lives is that when we come to Jesus, 
he begins to change us, and old things begin to pass away, and new things begin to come. We've got this new love for God, and a new love for people, and a new hunger for his word, and we begin to grow, right? But sooner or later in our life, Jesus will begin to talk to us about this area of generosity, and we'll see why this is so important in just a minute, but this is typically how it happens. Now, the way this happens in your life can, can be a variety of ways. Like, if you're a Christ follower here, it can happen in a variety of ways. Like for some of you, the way it's going to happen or it's already happened in your life is that Jesus, somewhere along the line, after you became a Christian, there wasn't a teaching you heard. There wasn't a crisis situation. It's just he just came to you directly through his Holy Spirit and he began to put this on your heart. And, and I, I know that like since I've been here, I've got several emails from people over the last five years that apart from any teaching I was doing or anything like that, that they just said, you know, I just want to share my journey. And they began to share how out of the blue, God began to speak with them about financial generosity. And he began to be very clear with them about what they needed to do and the steps they needed to take. And as they took that, their relationship with Jesus went to a whole new level. And, and, and they're excited. And there's a new sense of freedom and new joy. And they're excited. They're growing like a weed. And like, they're excited. So that's why they're telling me their story. And so out of the blue, they're just telling me their story. Okay? Later in this series, I'll share some of those stories. Um, and so sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it happens, and I think this is more common, uh, it ca- happens through teaching. Like for some of you in this, in this church, like we've gone through a lot of transition the last few years. And we have a lot of new people. And a lot of you are new Christ followers. You were not a Christ follower when you came to Rocky Peak. And God has met you here and he's changed your life. And, and, and you have come to Christ. And you've been baptized and your life is new. You've been changing. And, and you've never really heard much teaching on generosity. And this is going to be the very first time you've heard it. And, and in the course of this series, God's going to speak to you. And he's going to use this teaching to kind of teach you how to grow in this area. And so that's how it happens for a lot of people, through teaching. Through a third kind of person, a way it happens is there's some sort of crisis, there's some sort of opportunity that comes across your life, and God begins to say, this is for you, you see? And, and so it, it happens in different ways, but the sense is God has a timeline. The, the point is God has a timeline for our life and our growth, and if you're a follower of Jesus, sooner or later, he's going to talk to you about this area of generosity. Now, my sense is, is that for us as a church, you see, this, this is what was happening with the church of Corinth. Paul says, this is your time. You've grown in faith. You've grown in knowledge. You've, you've grown in uh, love. You've grown in all these areas. But, but this is the time that, that you're going to be growing in this grace of giving. And, and my sense is I prayed through this for our church is this is our time. That, that, that God wants to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And, and I've known this for a long time. That for us to ha- that for the- for this to happen in our church, that that he will have to unleash a culture of generosity, and, and I've known that, and I, I, it's going to have to happen financially, but even more importantly, it's going to have to happen spiritually, Be- because until we surrender this area of our life to Jesus, we it's impossible for us to move on long term and be a passionate Christ follower, and so something has to happen in us before we can un- unleash a movement. And so my sense, this month is our time. Like, like Corinth was their time, this month is, is our time, you see? And so now, so why is this so important? Uh, why is this area of generosity so important? Like why is it so important we grow in it? Um, I think often we tend to categorize it, oh, it's like giving. It's this area of my life, it's giving, as if it's a separate area of my life. But here's what I want you to catch. Generosity is important because generosity is at the heart of God, you see? 
he is the God who gives, right? In fact, at the end of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it ends like that. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. See, see, God is the ultimate giver. And Jesus is the ultimate model of giving. And so if you want to be like Jesus, which is what this church is about, is becoming like Jesus. That's why we're here. If, if, that, if that's what our goal is, that then we have to grow in generosity, you see? Because, because this is who he is. And this is exactly what Paul says next in the text. And so look at chapter 8 and verse 9. So here we go. Uh, what he's going to do, this is whole, two chapters where he's talking about financial generosity. And right in the middle, he says Jesus is the ultimate model of financial, economic, lifestyle generosity. And so here we go in verse 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Now, this is something we don't think about very much. You know, when you think of Jesus and the sacrifice he, he paid, that we could be forgiven, enter into a relationship with God, have a whole new life, not just now, but eternity, I think the first thing we think about is the cross, isn't it? We think about the sacrifice he made on the cross. And of course, that is the most important part. But it's only one part of the story. Like, like have you ever stopped to think the financial sacrifice Jesus came to give you a new life? Have you ever thought in those terms? Think of it this way. I like to think of it like this, that Jesus lived in the greatest gated community in the universe. (laughs) Can you imagine how much he gave up to move into your neighborhood, <laughs> right? I, I mean, like, I, I don't know what's, like, left of Barstow, but you see, I'm, I was like, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? It's like, I've never been to heaven. I know it's a newsflash, but, but I've never been to heaven, but I, I, the reports are amazing. And so imagine this, he's in heaven, he's the creator of the cosmos. I don't know what goes with that, but I think all perks, you know, uh, kind of all pleasure, lifestyle, I don't think he's like using coupons, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so here he is, king of the universe, and now he's going to come to planet Earth. I mean, we're talking a significant downsize. And then on top of that, he's, he chooses to be born, he could be born to anyone, He chooses to be born to a poor peasant couple in a backwater third country, third world nation that's under bondage. He's born in a barn. He he grows up, he grows up, like it's like someone's like, oh, I was born in a barn. I don't know what that was about. Like, like, awesome. Uh, Like, uh, he's born in a barn. He grows up as doing hard manual labor. He's a poor man his whole life. He eats the bread of the poor. And when he dies, he only has the clothes on his back. He has no estate to pass on. Are, are you with me in this? And so what Paul says, he says, you want to understand what it means to be a Christ follower. It means to love God. It means to love people. And you're willing to do whatever it takes. And he said, so, so Jesus is our model of generosity. 
And so if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to grow in this area. This is not like a core little area of the Christian life. Oh, this is my finances over here. No, this is the heart of what it means to be a Christ follower. So, so here's what happens then. As you turn to the New Testament and the teaching of Jesus, what you find is that Jesus talks about this all the time. This is not like a small agenda for him. It's a huge agenda because what Jesus says is there's a connection between our hearts and our wallets. And because of that, he talks about finances a lot. And and I want to just give you one example. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles. Throughout this series, we'll look at several examples of teaching from Jesus. But one example is in Matthew chapter 6. So I'd like you to turn there. Matthew chapter 6. And here's what Jesus is going to say. He's basically going to say that, that if you want to follow Jesus, that sooner or later in your life, God is going to lead you to the place where you have to decide whether you're going to serve God or money. Now, he's going to say it's just a fundamental decision that every Christ follower has. Like, if you follow Jesus, sooner or later, he's going to bring you to a place where he's going to say, is money your God or am I your God? And so, does, does your stuff belong to you, or does your stuff belong to me? And it's a fundamental, like, bridge or crossing that sooner or later, every Christ follower has to go through if we want to continue following Christ. And so here he goes, verse 19. He starts off by saying, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't, don't make your life about money because it's, it's very vulnerable. Like if you, if you live for money, it's very vulnerable. He mentions moth, rust, thieves, but in our days, you know, more closer to home, dot-com bubble bus, right? Uh, a re- you know, recession hits, uh, house value, you're upside, right? It's like we used to all be rich. <laughs> no, and uh, and now, now we know what Jesus is talking about. So anyway, verse 20. Now we're all upside down. Verse 20. So, uh, he says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And so as you go through the teaching of Jesus, he tells you how to store up treasures in heaven. He says, you can't take your money with you, but you can send it ahead of time. Okay? And so what he says is, is that when you invest in my kingdom, when you invest in my movement, when you, when you invest in the poor, that when you do these kinds of things, when you, when you invest your money and the things that I care about, that what happens is it's kind of you're sending it ahead. That you're, you're going to be investing in, you know, you can save your money. You're, you're, it's going to your account there. And so he says in verse 21, uh, he tells us why this is so important. He says, for where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. Now this is profound. Jesus is telling us as Christ's followers, there is a connection between our wallets and our heart that there's a connection. He says, whatever you invest in in your life, there's a natural process that your heart, your passion goes towards it. So, so if you make your life about stuff, if you make your, your life about always increasing your standard of living, if you make your life about achieving this, if that's what you make your life about, your heart is gonna follow that and, and you're gonna become passionate about those things. He says, but if you invest in my kingdom and the things I care about, that as you invest, your heart will turn to those things. 
So you actually have control of your own heart. Do you want a heart that burns for God and his passions? Or do you want a heart that burns for this earth and this passion? And he says, it's up to you. Like, what do you want to invest in? He says, but I'm telling you, wherever your treasure is, your heart will follow. It is a law of human nature. It cannot be violent. Okay? And so then he goes on in verse 24, and he says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God in money. Now here's what he's saying. That Jesus is saying there's only room for one ultimate in our life. You can't have two ultimates. Like there's only room for one. So who is who or what is ultimate in your life? What do you live for? Now, it's interesting, of all the things Jesus could have said, God and, and he could have, of course, filled in the blank with anything, but the interesting thing is, is he chooses money. And I think this is very intentional because from the very beginning of time, money has been one of the chief competitors for God. That that if you look at the human race over time, that one of the, the major idols of the human race that is in competition with the living God is money, it's stuff, it's possessions, you see? And, and so Jesus goes right after, he says, if you're gonna be a Christ follower, sooner or later in your life, that God is gonna lead you to this point, you have to decide whether money is your God or whether I'm your God. And, and if money is your God, then, then you will control your money. And you will decide what you give and what you spend and what you save and what you invest. And you will decide that. And it will be your call and you will do what you want to do. If money is your God, that's what you'll do. He says, but if I am your God, then you will come to me and you'll realize that everything you have and everything you own is a gift. And you will spend and invest and give and save as I lead you. Because you're my follower and everything you have belongs to me. Right? And so Jesus says that every one of us, if we follow Jesus, sooner or later, we have to cross this bridge. There will come a time where the Holy Spirit will say, this is the issue. And there will be some issue in your life where you have to decide whether you follow Jesus or you say, no, I've got this guy. I want to follow money, although we wouldn't put it in those terms. Okay? Now, let me, let me just kind of spell this out. What, what, does this look, what does it look like that everything you have, everything you own belongs to Jesus? What is he asking for? Let me give you a couple illustrations from my own life. A first illustration. Uh, about five years ago, Lynn and I came to Rocky Peak, and about nine months in, I felt like God was calling me to go to Uganda. Now, for those of you who've been in the church for a long time, you know that this church has long had uh, an investment uh, spiritually in Uganda. And, and so I mean, we have a ministry team there right now. And so when I came, my sense was that God wanted us to take that investment to a deeper level, that he wanted us to, to really partner with them to help advance the kingdom of Jesus in, in even new ways. And so it was really on my heart, and so I had this opportunity to go to Uganda, and so, so I went, and, uh, and it worked out just like I thought it would, is that I got time with Pastor Peter Kasirview there, who's kind of the head of this movement that we're a part of there, and, and we were able to come alongside and say, Peter, uh, what do you need to advance the kingdom here in Uganda? Like, and, and he said, you know, he looked at me kind of like, wow, you know, no one really just ever asked that, like what we need. And so he said, well, you know, I think the first thing we need is more resources, to do what we're doing, but the second thing we need is we need like leadership development because what happens is we got all these people that are like witch doctors one day, they come to Jesus, their life has changed, the next day they're pastors. 
And so they've got this really crazy theology and the churches get messed up. He said, the one thing we need, we need like a Bible school. And I said, well, well, tell me about this. He said, well, it's always been my dream that we'd have a Bible school for pastors. But he said, honestly, everyone wants to support orphans, but no one wants to raise up leaders. Then I said, well, we're all over that. How could we partner with you? And the next year, we helped launch this Bible school that now is graduating uh, all these pastors go out to pastor these churches. And so, and so it was a great trip. But before that trip, like when I was preparing for that trip, one of the things that happened is when I came up to Rocky Peak, one of the people I met here when I came here was a pastor in the area. A lot of you know Francis Chan. He's over in Cornerstone. And, and Francis and I became friends. And so in the process, before I go to Uganda, I, I learned some of his story. And his story was that three years before I went to Uganda, he went to Uganda. And, and when he was there, God just touched his heart in a major way for the poor and for reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus. And he was so touched that when he came home, God just moved and led him to downsize his life. And so he had a larger house, they downsized to like, to like half the size of the house so that he could give more money to the movement of Jesus. And so, so I knew this story. And of course, I'd shared it with Lynn. And so I'm getting ready to go to Uganda. And about a day or two before, Lynn pulls me aside and said, so when you get back, are we selling our house? <laughs> now, I, I, catch, I want you to catch this because you got to catch Lynn's heart in this. There was not fear in her eyes. She just wanted information. <laughs> what she's basically saying is, has Jesus talked to you about this yet? And I told her, he has not talked to me about that yet. I don't know. But so, so we'll see what happens. And so I, I, honestly, I didn't know if we're coming back. We're selling our house. We're doing the same thing. Now, here's the point. When we came back, we didn't sell our house because that's not what Jesus said to me, right? But, but if he did, it's like it's his. And, and that was her attitude, right? It was just, it's like everything we have, everything we own belongs. So, Mike, has, has God talked to you about this? Are we selling our house? You see? Now, let me give you a, another example that hits closer to home for me. Uh, in this series, at the end of this series, I'll be coming to you uh, as your pastor, and I'll be saying, okay, I, I've given you solid teaching on what the New Testament and the Old Testament teach about generosity, and I've prepared you for this. Now, what I want you to do is, as a church, I want you to go before Jesus, and I want you to ask him what he wants you to do. Like, I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm just going to prepare you to go before Jesus and ask him what he wants you to do, okay? And so because of that, Lynn and I, in our own life, we've been praying the last couple of weeks that God would show us what is our part to solve this financial challenge that we're, we're facing. So we're driving along the 118 earlier this week, and Lynn, just nonchalantly, she turns to me and she says, so is God going to have you sell your Harley? I said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You're thinking like man, not like God. It's like, this is the bike from heaven. <laughs> we all know this as riders. It's closest to God when we're on our bikes. It's like, are you kidding me? No, honestly, it was a great question. And you know what? What I said there is I turned to her and I said, you know what? Um, I, I don't know, but we've already had that conversation, and if he, if he wants it, it's his, right? Now, here's what I want you to catch. Here's what I want you to catch. 
this has nothing to do with me being a pastor. This has nothing to do with me being a spiritual leader. This has everything to do with being a follower of Jesus. Are you with me here? That as followers of Jesus, this is what it means. All we are, all we have belong to you. I will give, I will spend, I will save, I will not as you direct me. You let me know it belongs to you. Are, are you with me in this? You get this? This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, okay, so, so the Apostle Paul, uh, what, he's, what he's sensing is, is that God is leading the church of Corinth to this point in time. That, that they've grown in all these ways, but God wants to take them to a new level of relationship. He wants to change them from the inside out. He wants to make them more like Jesus. He wants to release this spirit of generosity. And, and so that's why he's bringing this topic up. Well, can I tell you something? It's my sense is exactly why that's happening here at Rocky Peak. That, that, that God wants to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And we've been talking about that for the last couple of years. And what I've known all along is for that to happen, we're going to have to go to a new level in our surrender to him in the area of our finances. Not just because of the finances, but because if we're going to be unleash a movement of passion in Christ, for us, we have to first be Christ's followers. And that cannot happen if we don't follow him across this bridge in this area of our life. Now, so what Paul's sensing is, okay, this is what's happening in Corinth. This is where God's brought them. And, and he says, it's already happened in Macedonia. God's already been on the move there. And I want you to see how this happened in Macedonia. And I want, I want you to see what this looks like in, in our lives. So if you've got your Bibles, look at uh, verse, uh, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 again and verse 5. I want to go back to something Paul said. Because here he lays out, to me, the most profound principle of how we approach giving as Christ followers. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse uh, 5. And so here we go. Um, he says, they, they did not do as we expected, these Macedonian Christians. They gave more than Paul expected. But, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So here's what I want you to catch. As a Christ follower, this is what it means to follow Jesus in the area of your finances. It means, first of all, you give yourself to the Lord. There's a spiritual transaction that takes place at the core of your being where, where you have a conversation with Jesus where you say, okay, all I am, all I have belongs to you. And so I give myself first to the Lord. Are you with me in this? You're following this? This is what Jesus was talking about. No man can serve two masters. You've got to make this decision. So first of all, God, all I have, I, I belong to you. So we give ourselves to the Lord. He says in the second step, he says they gave themselves to us by God's will. In other words, they, they gave generously to this offering by God's will. Now this is how true giving happens in the New Testament. First of all, Whenever there's an opportunity to give, whenever there's a need, what happens? First of all, we give ourselves to the Lord. Lord, I belong to you. Now, the second thing is, what do you want me to do? And then we give as he leads us. You see, we don't give out of guilt. We don't give out of manipulation. We give as the Holy Spirit leads us. And as we do that, what happens? 
we are transformed from the inside out. As we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, just like in every other area of the life, what happens is it begins to unleash a new generosity in our heart, and we begin to grow. And as we give to what God cares about, our heart begins to turn towards that and, and our, because our treasure is now there. And so we begin to change, and we begin to become like Jesus, and we begin to, uh, we're, we're now able to unleash the movement of Jesus because our resources are his, our heart is his, and, and this begins to move other people. And so now the Macedonians, their generosity is, is gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna become contagious. It's gonna move onto the Corinthian Christians, and then they're gonna give, and then the Jerusalem Christians are gonna be blessed, and they're gonna be praising God, and the whole world's gonna be watching what God's doing. And like these callers of Jesus, they're serious about this. They put their money where their mouth is. They say that Jesus is the most important thing in the world, and they're living it out because there's something more more important to them than the rest of the world, which is money. Their most important thing is God. He is the ultimate in their life. They're proving it because they're laying down what we think is the ultimate so they can serve what's really the ultimate and look at the joy they have and look at the love they have and the movement of Jesus goes on. You see? That's how it works. All right. So uh, I want to give you a chance today to respond to this teaching. I am not going to ask you today to give money. I'm not going to ask you today to make a commitment. As I said, that will come later in the series. Today is foundational. Today is a matter of your heart. Today is a matter of your core relationship with Jesus. If I were to ask you, if we were at Starbucks, we're sitting one-on-one, and you just felt perfect freedom to be totally honest with me, I would say, hey, have you surrendered, as a follower of Jesus, have you surrendered this area of your life? Are you willing to go to his standard of living, not your standard of living? Are you willing to give as he directs? Are you willing to sign over the title deed of your possessions to Jesus to use as he wants? Like, have you done that? Are you willing to do that? My, my question to you is, what would you say to me? If you felt perfect freedom, perfect safety, just to give me an honest answer, if I were to ask you that question, what would you say? Have you surrendered? Here's what I know, is that if you've not surrendered this area of your life to Jesus, that it's going to be a major block in your walk with him, that you will never become, catch this, and I'm not overstating, you will never become the man or woman you are created to be. You will never fulfill your purpose in life. You will never achieve your destiny. You will never impact the kingdom like you want until we cross this bridge. I just know that as sure as I'm standing here, Jesus was absolutely clear on this. And so I'm inviting you to a new level of relationship with Jesus. If you've already done this, great. You're on the way. You know what I'm talking about. You know the freedom. You know the joy that, that comes from this. If you've not made that decision, I want to give you the chance today. And here's what, what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. In just a couple of minutes, we're going, to, we're going to have communion together. Now, of course, communion is a picture of the death of Jesus for us. It's a picture of the one who, though he was rich, became poor so that we might become rich. It's, it's a picture of grace that through his death, and the ultimate gift of his life that we can have a new relationship with God not based on our performance 
our track record, but based on his death. And so that's what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. But communion is also more than that. Communion is not just where Jesus gives himself to us. Communion is where we give ourselves to Jesus and say, you died for me, so as the Apostle Paul says, so that I can live for you. And so, so if you're here today and you've never given yourself to Jesus in this area, here's what I'm going to say. We're going to take communion. This is a perfect opportunity for you to go and receive the body and the blood of Christ and say, you died for me, and, and I want to follow you, and I'm going to give you back my life, all of my life, and today. And so around this auditorium, we're going to have a time of worship during communion. You can go. You can receive the elements. You can pray. You can have your moment with God. Come up here to the front. Go to the sides. Get alone with him. Have a moment of surrender. I tell you, your life will never be the same. This is an important step for you to take. So if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, this time of communion's for you. Uh, if you're here and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, then I encourage you not to take it at this point because it will mean so much more when the time comes you do. Okay, I'm a follower now. I I'm going to take it. And so what what's going to happen is we're going to stand, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go into time of worship. Uh, start with just some music first as you move to the tables. And then we're going to go into a worship song, join in as you get back to your seat and, and participate. So would you join with me as we uh, stand before the Lord in prayer, we commit ourselves to him, and then we go to the table. Father, we, we thank you for the indescribable gift of your son. Uh, we thank you for this one who came, who is rich and became poor, that we might become rich. And and Jesus, we receive that gift of grace today. We receive the forgiveness of sins. We receive the new life of your spirit. We receive the, the gift of eternity. Through your poverty, we became rich. But today as a church, God, we want to take a step. And for those of us who've never done it, we, we want to give you our life, all that we have, all that we own. We want, to, we want to sign the title deed of our life over to you and give you control of our resources, that we would not own them. We would manage them now for you. For those of us who've already done that, as we go to the table today, we're going to reaffirm that commitment, that all we own and all we have belongs to you. We, we, we manage it for you. And we pray that you would meet us, and as we surrender, God, that you would just turn our hearts. We pray that you would pour out the spirit of generosity in our congregation. We pray that the spirit of God that invaded Macedonia would invade our lives. And that we would truly become like Jesus. That we love you and we love people. And we don't just say that, but we live it out. And we live it out through our resources. We pray you'd guide this church. We pray you'd guide us in our giving. We pray you'd guide us in our giving to the movement of Jesus here. We pray you'd guide us in our giving to the poor. We pray you'd guide us in our outreach to the community. We pray that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that this series would begin to unleash a new generosity at every level in our life that we would be as you are, and that we would be your hands and feet, that we would truly be the body of Jesus. And so we pray you'd come and meet us now as we come to you in worship. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I hope you can be with us next week as we continue this journey. Um, if you're on vacation, I'd like to ask you to cancel that. Um, but the second option, second option is it uh, okay if you have to go, uh, that you'd be sure to podcast it, uh, download it, or CD it, all right? That, uh, because it's important, every, every week we're going to be doing some, some great study in the Word, and so they all build and, and work together. And so be sure to, uh, to do that.
Um, and uh, until then, may the Lord be with you, and may he grace your lives with his own presence so that you become in every day, in every way, you become a little bit more like him as you follow the leading of his spirit that wants to unleash your life. And so uh, may God bless you, and I'll see you next weekend. Have a good week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.